Welcome to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Amore and Frank Sicalese. Welcome back into the Fantasy Addicts Dynasty podcast. So good to be back in here for another episode. I just want to welcome Andrew back to the show as always. And Joel's in here as well, giving his expert opinion. Um, I'll hand straight over to you, Andrew. Uh, we'll get stuck straight into the news. Got a lot to cover in this episode. Go right ahead. Hey, listeners. How you going? Yeah, um, I'll be the, the news broadcaster today. So, um, Joel, do you want to say hi before I uh, jump into the news? Yeah, I was going to say, Frank, bit rude. Um, hello, loyal listeners. Um, yeah, good. Glad to be back. Thanks for the invite, uh, Frank and Andrew. And yeah, happy to be here. All right, guys. Um, so we've just come off, is it uh, Championship Sunday? Is that what they call it? NFC, AFC uh, conference games. So the first game was the Bengals versus the Chiefs and the uh, Bengals come back and win that one. So... Was it more of a Bengals comeback or a Chiefs meltdown? I'm not too sure. But, um, guys, any takeaways from that game? Oh, Joe Burrow is the man. Joe Burr, as they're calling him now, he's actually insane. Uh, Jamar Chase, he's insane. Uh, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, they're all incredible. I think they're going all the way. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for the Super Bowl next week. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Yeah, no, complete opposite. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, worst half of football he's ever played. The Chiefs completely just stalled in the second half on offense. I think they had like some like 80 yards total in the second half or something. Tyreek Hill didn't get a pass, caught. It was just they stopped. I don't know how they stopped. I, they looked unstoppable for the game before that and the half before that. But that uh, goal line play at the end of the um, end of the first half, like I, I'm with Patrick Mahomes. I think they should have gone. For, you can get a playoff in five seconds there, but it's got to be like a fade or a slant in the end zone. Like you've got to throw that ball straight away. But yeah, no, I, uh, I think the Chiefs choked rather than the Bengals. Um, the Bengals still won the game, you know, obviously in overtime got the key pick, but I think the Chiefs um, gave that one away. Yeah, just just on that, um, the overtime strikes again. Um, if the, Chief, the Chiefs obviously won the toss, so if they had have, like, just drove the field and scored, do you two think that um, the NFL would have changed the rules or do you think they're just going to stick with this? It's um, getting a bit ridiculous right now. Yeah, I think it would have been like a massive spotlight on the rule, more than there already was based on the wet game before. But this really might have just put the nail in the coffin. I think, like, not to and have a knee jerk reaction, but I think because it didn't happen again, they're going to do nothing, which sucks. I think it's better for the fans if they were to change it again. Like I said last week, I don't know what the fix is, but it can't be that, especially with offenses getting better. They've done everything in their power to make offenses more high powered, more scoring in the NFL. Um, and then to just keep that rule is uh, doesn't make too much sense to me. Would you agree, Joel? Yeah, no, I um full team just change it. I think, I don't know, like 
everyone says change it and they don't have a thing. Why don't they just play an extra, you know, an extra 10 or 12 minute quarter? Like I get, you don't want another 15 minute quarter, but just play another, play another quarter um, or play another shorter quarter. Both teams have two timeouts. At least that way, um, Josh Allen gets some form of right to reply to the Chiefs scoring a touchdown. But um, I don't know if you guys are, but Sean Payton on Twitter, um, once overtime like started, he said, "If he's, I didn't, don't know it word for word, but it was something along the lines of, if this game, if the Chiefs drive the field straight away, the NFL will have no choice about changing the rule. But um, yeah, now that someone who lost the toss won in overtime, I don't think they will change the rule anymore. Everyone's just forgot about it. And all the people who don't want it changed will just go back to this game, like get a stop on defense, like all that stuff. So anyway, yeah, they got out of jail. They There's absolutely no got out of jail. But yeah, um, I just think the game for me really reinforces it. You know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins uh, stonks up. And, you know, Evan Money McPherson stonks up. I thought as soon as the pick happened, just bring him out and kick it. Because he was making it no matter what was happening. So, um, But, yeah, the next game, Rams versus the Niners. Um, Rams came back in this one as well. Um, yeah, my takeaways are, you know, is it Jimmy G's last game? We're still waiting for that. And that breakfast club is just unstoppable right now. And maybe Odell's back too. But um, anyway, guys, what's what did, what did you take away from this one? Did either of you guys hear the Jimmy Garoppolo press conference? Uh, well, I don't know if it was after the game or like a day later. I can't recall, but he was speaking as if it was going to be his last game. He was like, he almost like when he was like talking to the reporters, he gets to the end and he's like, oh, like, thank you for everything. Like, I think he said something along those lines. Like it's if, like it's in stone. He's not going to be there. We spoke last week when before this game happened, and we're talking about how, like if they win and they go back to the Super Bowl, it makes the decision much harder. Even still, they would have had to have won the Super Bowl for them to not make the change. They traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance. So you have to put him out there. You don't have a choice. But um, do you think this really cements it? He'll be uh, somewhere else. I'm praying to God it's not the Denver Broncos. Um, we'll wait and see how uh, that goes down. Um, would you Do you reckon that's, the, that's what's going to happen, Joel, or do you reckon they're going to stick with Jimmy G? Considering he's still under contract next year. Trey Lance didn't look too good, but I don't think they have much for choice. No, no, they don't. Yeah, that's obvious. I thought everyone would sort of know that. I didn't realise that was a topic of discussion. But, um, yeah, Trey Lance is going to be their starter next year and moving forward. And Yeah, I didn't see, like, much out of Trey Lance. But, I mean, they have to give him a go. They spent, like, three first-round picks on him. So he'll be the starter moving forward. And, yeah, they'll see how the Niners go from there. But, yeah, Jimmy G, like, even though he sucks, there's still he's still a top he's still a starter in the NFL. So he's going to get a job somewhere. Um, but yeah, unless that team, like that, the team that he goes to is not going to be as strong as San Francisco. And um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. He's a 20th best quarterback in the NFL. Like he's going to get a job. He's not going to really help a team fantasy wise, but um, yeah, real life quarterback, he's top 20 and yeah, he'll, he'll be fine moving forward. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, it's I don't know how Trey Lance will impact this offense, um, but you know, hopefully it runs smoothly. He, um, Trey Lance hit Debo for that massive sixty-yard touchdown that buried Dylan Lawrence. If we can all remember that one, so that was good. But um, yeah, back to the. You want to talk about Rams Bengals now? Or do you want to save that for later, Frank? 
Yeah, what we'll do is we'll actually go through all those uh, some of the coaching hirings that have happened during the week, and then we'll get stuck into the uh, Super Bowl preview, and that might lead straight into our uh, our picks and also our uh, our best bets as well. So we'll get stuck into the NFL hirings, Andrew. No worries. Um, so earlier on in the, oh, I was probably it was right after we recorded the last episode. Um, Sean Payton actually stepped down. So um, yeah, just you guys think Sean Payton will coach again? And um, do you think the Saints quarterback and coach landing spot is a desirable uh, landing spot? Well, I think he won't coach again. He's, I don't know. He's quite old. I mean, I don't know. It probably could be like a year off and then like an, a like a really cool landing spot opens up, sort of like what happened with Mike McCarthy. I think he had a year off in the end and then the Dallas Cowboys job opened up. So one of those veteran sort of coach landing spots. Um off the top of my trying to think who's under the hot seat, you know, maybe Matt Rule in Carolina, if uh, they draft a rookie or something like that and that, that rookie pops or they look good and they don't win many games, maybe the coach is on the way out, that could be an attractive landing spot for him. Otherwise, I think he might be done. I mean, at times, I feel like Sean Payne's a little overrated. He did have uh, Drew Brees his entire career. Not to take too much away from him, but Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the best ever, and uh, just the one Super Bowl in the end. Um it's a bit rough playing in the Tom Brady era, though. So I don't want to take too much credit away, but it could be slightly overrated. But he will be a desirable coach if he still wants to be a coach. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> no, that's People not happening. The Dallas Cowboys. Why not? Mark McCarthy's terrible. Yeah, I know that. But, like, I don't know. They win enough games. Like, Mark McCarthy's not going to go anywhere. I don't know. I just think... I think, like, as a society, we all know that he's a better coach than Mike McCarthy. He'd want to coach Dallas. Jerry Jones probably throws a big dollar contract at him, and why not? Like, he's not. He's still a good offensive mind. Like, he made he makes Taysom Hill look fine. Like, I don't know. I, I think that um, – I think he will coach again, and I think it'll be the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it'd be cool. I, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a, against it. I think it'd be awesome for the NFL. It'd be a great spectacle to see what he could do with that offense, um, to just like stop it from sputtering. Like it looks incredible at times, and then it just dies. Um, I think it'd be cool, but I don't know if that's very realistic. Sadly. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, if he if he lands in Dallas, that'd be awesome. But um, probably the Dallas offense coordinator takes over, maybe. Um, but anyway. I think, yeah, the Saints coach landing spot's got to be a good one because, um, you know, the Bucs uh, aren't going to be as strong. Panthers are a mess. Falcons, you know, who knows what – I should probably shouldn't say the Panthers are a mess, but until they get a quarterback, they're not going to be competitive. And same with the Falcons. Um, but there's, I don't know if the Saints can afford a really good quarterback because their cap, cap space is always, you know, in the negatives. But I think if they get a good quarterback and a good coach, uh, Saints – um, fantasy options, you know, for the moon, like exactly. But in in other news, it was Big Ben retires. Um, so the Steelers quarterback landing spot is another really good, really good landing spot, I think, for those three receivers they have, Najee Harris. But, um, just another discussion, is Big Ben a first ballot Hall of Famer? What do we think? I mean, I would say so. I think he is. Super Bowl, I think if you're a quarterback that had a good career and you put up decent numbers, as long as you've got that Super Bowl win, you're making it. Like, that's how I see it. Even the fact of, like, people that have, like, the uh, 
the argument against Eli Manning being a Hall of Famer. Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. He's got two Super Bowl rings. Like, I think Super Bowl rings, as long as you're competent and you're good and you got the Super Bowl rings, you put up, you know, you play a long career, plenty of touchdowns, plenty of numbers and stuff like that. Although the last few years have been pretty poor. And uh, I think everyone's been waiting for the year that Ben Roethlisberger finally hangs them up. But he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, well, he was, he was good. Like, he was good, long... Longevity, good quarterback, Super Bowls. Didn't like win an MVP or anything, but I think he's still a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, yeah, he has to be. Um, anyway, the next bit of news, Frank, you're Denver Broncos. Um, they hire the offensive coordinator from the Packers. He's been at Jacksonville. He's been at the Bills. Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I don't know if this is an attempt to uh, lure Aaron Rodgers or does anyone know? We probably don't know much about these coaches or anything, but um, do you know anything about this guy, Frank, that the Broncos have hired? Yeah, we're playing four-dimensional chess with uh, Aaron Rodgers here. He's definitely coming to Denver. Lock that one in, listeners. No, I'm actually just trying to hope and, like, manifest that. But uh, I think it it goes a long way. I think uh, having someone that Aaron Rodgers is familiar with, someone that uh, he clearly likes from all reports that him and Nathaniel Hackett do get along. Um, The offenses in Green Bay when he's been there have been, you know, high-powered, high-scoring. Obviously, they've got an offensive-minded head coach in Matt LaFleur. But they've executed really well. And I think, obviously, they've had supreme talent around them, but I think he's going to be a good change in Denver. Um, You know, when we hired Vic Fangio, what, three or four years ago now, um, obviously, he's a very defensive-minded coach. That was our strength. I understood the hire at the time. And then when they hired uh, Pat Shermer and the offensive coordinator, he was supposed to sort of change that offense and make it more explosive, uh, have big plays, run the ball well, and just has not – didn't work out at all. So I'm glad to see those two out of town. Yeah, Um, glad to see those guys leave. Bring in a new face. Uh, he seems like a far more optimistic person. Um, he's a bit more uplifting for the team. I think Vic Fangio is, you know, that typical grumpy old guy. That, that can work in the NFL. I mean, you have to have a head coach that's quite stern. Um, but I'm hoping Nathaniel Hackett can bring in sort of like a new uh, energy to the building, you know, a bit, bit more um, upbeat, and hopefully the offense can start uh, making some bigger plays because it's just been so many years for the Denver Broncos where the offense has been bottom 10 and it's just been, you know, they've been, kicking and screaming their way to like seven wins, five wins, ten, nine wins, whatever it might be. And it's just not good enough, honestly. Um, for a team that's had such a uh, proud history, it's been good for a long time. You know, I think it's like the second most or third most playoff wins in the Super Bowl era or something ridiculous like that. Um, they've been poor for far too long. They need to make a change of quarterback. They need to get this fixed. And I think Nathaniel Hackett goes a long way towards doing that. I know Joel Amor over here is the... Uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy owner, which I'm sure you'd be looking for the offense to take an uptick after those two had such disappointing seasons. Yeah, but I want it to be Deshaun Watson, Frank, as the Deshaun Watson owner. But um, yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll take Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, I mean the Broncos. That I feel like it's been well reported for over a year now that they're going to get a new quarterback in the building and hopefully. This year, it'll be a good quarterback and not Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke or some average person that, uh, you know, just doesn't doesn't get the book, doesn't score enough points, isn't effective in the red zone, especially now that, you know, they've uh, 
got their running back. They've got the receivers. They've signed all three of them. All that, and they've signed Jerry Judy. But they've spent first round capital on Jerry Judy. They've paid Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. Um, they've got tight ends too. Um, yeah, they've got all the pieces to be a good offense, and they've got a good defense. So they should, in theory, be a good team. Obviously, that division is very strong. Um, even like I thought the Raiders would suck, but they're 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 fine too. But um, yeah, that division very strong. Um, but you know, hopefully with a new quarterback, the Denver Broncos can you know be a you know top half offense in the league. Yeah, um, I agree. If they, I think it's a good sign that they've gone offense for the head coach, and um, yeah, hopefully they can get a good quarterback. So uh, the next one um, in Chicago is is that the Windy City? I think it is. But the uh, Chicago Bears hire. Colts defensive coordinator, here we go, Matt Eberflus. I don't know if I got that right, but, um, yeah, Bears go defense. Um, I mean, I guess they're playing to their strengths, but do we think this is bad for the offense? Um, any any takes there for Justin Fields and David Montgomery and the receivers in Chicago? Did you really just say, could this be bad for the offense? It doesn't matter, Andrew. Matt Nagy's out of town. And isn't that fantastic news for the uh, the supporters of the Windy City Chicago Bears? So they'll be uh, ecstatic that Matt Nagy's left town, ecstatic that their quarterback now might get a competent head coach. Although he's a defensive-minded head coach, he's a defensive coordinator. Um, I'm not sure who they're bringing in as their OC. Um, I don't know if you have that information, Andrew. But again, anything's an improvement. Um, I think we'll see Justin Fields hopefully take a step forward in his second year. Um, I think Alan Robinson, he's definitely going to be out of town. But Dunno Mooney looks okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, went wide receiver in the draft. I think they're just going to try and knuckle down the defense. The defense has always been pretty good. Um, get them to a certain spot and then hope, you know, bank on the improvement of their first round quarterback in Justin Fields. I think that's sort of the uh, the way forward that they're going. And I'm hoping that, you know, that young quarterback can bring them to the promised land. Yeah, look, I traded away Fields and I'm for, I think you guys discussed it in a previous episode for Lawrence. But, um, you know, I am happier with the trade now that they hired a defensive head coach rather than an offensive head coach. But, you know, it all depends on who they hire as their OC and what they, they might, you know, who they get. I think they've got room to sign some a free agent. I was hoping it would be um, Michael Gallup, RIP. But, um, yeah, I mean, can't be bad news for Justin Fields. Could be better depending on who they get as their OC. On to the next one. The um, New York Giants hire Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dayball. Uh, Bills have been a you know prolific offense for a while now. So, how good do we think this could be for New York? I think this is a great hire. Um, you know, I've been hoping Brian Dayball goes to a good offense for a while now. The Giants aren't exactly a great offense, but maybe they could be with him um, at the helm. So, yeah, well, what do you guys think about this? Well, I think they're going to give Daniel Jones the best chance possible to show that he might be. What if he's the next Josh Allen? We saw how sucky he was for his first two or three seasons, and then he just completely changed and turned all of his weaknesses into, like, the biggest positives ever. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. Josh Allen's incredible. But I think they're going to give him a chance. I think with the new head coach, especially coming from Buffalo, I think uh, incredibly good good signing um, for their team. I think they went – they're going the right direction. Um, they need to build up their offensive line. They need to build up 
Um, just their offense has been so lackluster. Their defense is pretty average. I think that'll just be hopefully addressed in the draft and free agency and stuff like that. I think the New York Giants are still uh, a long way away from competing, but I think that they've got the right people involved in the organization now to start heading in the right direction finally. Um, as the Kadarius Tony owner, I'm, I think this is a great signing. I think he's going to be really important for them long-term. I think uh, some of the old receivers and Sterling Shepard and Kenny Golladay, I don't know if they're going to be around for that much longer. I know Kenny Golladay was signed by the old regime, so I'm not sure how involved he'll be. I think they should get him involved regardless, but uh, I think it's really good for some of the young pieces uh, on the offense. Well, it can't be any worse. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't know. Like, I think you've started off on the right path there. Like, they're going to give Daniel Jones every chance to show something. I think they're going to spend. I think they have like two top. I think it's like two top seven picks, like pick five and seven or something like that. I think they're going to use those on the lines. And um, yeah, with a new coach, they've already got weapons. Um, you know they'll build off that offensive line and you know if Daniel Jones can't show anything this year I think he is done basically well not done something might give him a chance but he's going to have every chance to show something this year and if he doesn't I think the Giants will be forced to move on yeah I don't think they're in like a really bad spot like you said if they spend you know let's say they spend one first round like one of their top seven picks on the defensive line and then one on the offensive line sort of shore up both of those positions a little bit Daniel Jones gets a chance to show what he's got and if he flops then they're going to be having a high pick next year anyway where the quarterback class might be a bit better from all indications um there's not anyone on like in this year's draft that's projected to go you know number one overall or anything like that so it's possible the quarterback prospects could be um better for the Giants next season if uh, things don't pan out because their defense isn't good enough to drag them to like eight, nine wins, or let's say they just missed the playoffs and they win seven games. They end up picking it like 11. That's, that's probably not going to happen. I don't think the defense is good enough. I think the offense is going to have to come a long way and Daniel Jones is going to have to show something for the team to win any games. So I think they could be, they, there's plenty of teams out there that are in worse positions than the Giants. I really, really like this hire, and um, hopefully they can start uh, pushing in the right direction. And that division isn't that strong either. Like, they've got places to go. Like, take away the Cowboys. Like, the commanders are uh, in – they don't have a quarterback. The um, – Eagles, Jalen Hurts, they have three first-round picks, but, like, is Jalen Hurts really the answer? I don't know. And, like, Dallas are good, but it's not like they're, you know, unbeatable. Um, But, so, yeah, I mean, the Giants show improvement. You know, they could be, you know, if if Daniel Jones shows up, they could be a fringe eight, nine-win team. And, you know, in a weak division, that could, you know, potentially, you know, I'm not saying playoffs, but, you know, they could be in some sort of hunt come, you know, late November. And the next one was the Las Vegas Raiders didn't keep um, Ridge Passaccia. So um, that was a bit of a shock to me, but they've gone with um, Pat's longtime offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Um, I don't know. I feel like he'll do an okay job at Las Vegas. Um, He ran, ran the Pat's offense really well. So, yeah, I think this is a good hire. I'm not sure if he's a he's a brilliant coach or he's a bit of a fake shot, but um, any takes from you two? 
Yeah, I think it's just like a pretty run-of-the-mill hire. It was about time Josh McDaniels got a chance to be a head coach. He's long, long, long time uh, offensive coordinator for the Patriots and Bill Belichick. It's going to be interesting to see who they bring in to replace him. Uh, I think this is just like as sort of run-of-the-mill okay for all the uh, fantasy assets in uh, Oakland. I think it's probably a little bit of stock up for Josh Jacobs. I think um, they'll run the ball quite a bit. Uh, The Patriots were always quite run-heavy. So I think it'll be good. I think uh, it's really good for Hunter Renfro as well if he's he's that uh, Julian Edelman type. Yeah, with all the happenings in uh, Vegas, I think they just wanted, you know, play with a straight bat, get some, you know, a head coach with a lot of experience, you know, Patriots way and all that stuff. So I think with all the happenings in Vegas the past, you know, year and a bit, um, yeah, they just want to play with a straight bat and get some professionalism in the building. Yep, and we'll move on to the uh, the last coaching hire, the most recent one, which was um, Doug Peterson. Um, goes to Jacksonville, the Jaguars. Um, Doug Peterson, former Super Super Bowl head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think I think this is good for the Jags. I think this is good for Trevor Lawrence and that offense. Um, yeah, hopefully they can uh, have a reasonably prolific offense. But uh, what do you guys think of uh, Dougie P in, in Jacksonville? Yeah, I think it was actually a really good hire. I think um, he probably fit in quite well in Jacksonville. I think it would be uh, helpful for Trevor Lawrence and the offensive weapons there. Um, a bit weird, but I don't mind it, honestly. All the coaching hires this offseason haven't been too bad. Yeah, again, like it's one of those ones that can't be any worse. Like um, even when Peterson had Carson Wentz, I think it's been, you know, shown that Carson Wentz kind of sucks. So, um, you know, we'll see what he can do with Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence can only really improve on that first year. So we'll see how he goes. But, yeah, I think it's, I, I you know, it was a bit surprising, but I definitely don't hate it. Um, and that's all for the uh, the coach hirings, but there was a bit of um, bit of news coming from Brian Flores, who is um, firing a lawsuit on the uh, on the NFL. Um, not sure what this means. I haven't really read into it that heavily, but it just means that um, Brian Flores might not coach again. A bit like the uh, Colin Kaepernick situation. Um, do you two have any info on that, or have you been following it heavily, or anything like that? Yeah, so as a Denver Broncos fan, they've sort of been dragged uh, into this. And, you know, if it ends up being true and stuff like that, it's probably not really um, acceptable and probably something they want to stamp out. Um, but it's a, currently it's a big, big game of uh, he, shed, uh, he said, she said. Uh, they, I think one of the stories was Brian, Brian Flores was saying he interviewed for the Denver Broncos role back in 2019. Apparently John Elway and the other executives rolled in, hung over, uh, apparently they were late and they just really didn't care. They would have apparently it was just part of their hiring process. They had to interview um, a black candidate under the rules, but yeah, I don't know. So we'll have to wait and see um, how true this all is. Um, yeah. If any, even if like the slightest amount of it is true, I think the NFL needs to sort of do something and just stamp out this sort of stuff. Um, again, I don't really hate any of the hirings um, that have happened this off season, um, regardless of them. There were, there wasn't a, uh, a black person hired as a head coach, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I thought Brian Flores was hard done by when he uh, was fired by the Dolphins in the first place. We discussed that at length, Andrew, that he was probably the most hard done by coach. I think he's really good. I think he deserves to be a head coach in the NFL, but uh, 
with this lawsuit happening, I think that's probably not going to happen anytime soon, uh, if again. So it'll be really interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, they've got to do something about that Rooney rule because, like, I don't know, it just it seems like teams are just ticking a box in regards to, you know, interviewing a minority candidate and then, you know, brushing them aside. And, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's the time or place to get into it, but, like, you know, Flores, Biennemi, um, it just feels – even the, um, the Cully, the Texans, the person they fight, just feels like, um, you know, they're getting hard done by. Um, and, you know, something has to change. Yeah, like we're not in the building, but just from the outside, it's looking – those three names you mentioned perfectly sum it up to me. Like I feel like they're either, A, getting a really short leash or, B, Eric Biennemi not having an opportunity yet. I don't even think – I've like heard of him getting interviewed or anything like that. Maybe he has, but yeah, it baffles me, honestly. Yeah, um, couldn't agree more. And um, hopefully it gets uh, fixed and Brian Flores has a job because he definitely deserves one. But um, obviously we'll move on to the biggest news of the week. And that was... Andrew's victory lap. Is Andrew a genius? Um, you know, told you listeners, sell Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady and um, he has officially hung him up. He's officially retired, 45 years of age. I think he's 45. Um, and yeah, what a career. Um, any takes on Brady? Are you surprised? Are the Bucks dead? Um, yeah. What, what do we think? Yeah, I was pretty shocked uh, when it happened and the first time and then it, he wasn't retired and then he was retired and all that, that went on with Adam Schefter as well. But uh, I think the Bucks like fantasy weapons, I think they're going to be okay. I think um, they, that's good. they're going to have a tough time finding a quarterback, honestly. It's going to be interesting to see who lands there. Um, but, yeah, I was really surprised. But imagine you uh, took your advice, Andrew, and you ended up trading Tom Brady for like a first-round pick like four weeks ago. That would have just been incredible. You'd be like over the moon that you made that move. So uh, i got to, I got to pay it to you. I didn't believe you when you said it. Um, but you're the man. You're right. Yeah, thanks, yeah. mate. I just, uh, no, you go, Joel. I don't think that's how you meant you were going to win, but like, you know, you, you got there. Um, but yeah, in regards to Tommy, um, best to do it, best to ever do it. Like, uh, you know, hell of a career, um, you know, to leave New England and then win another Super Bowl, I think the first year away, like the man just the man was just a winner um surprised he hung him up i thought you know thought he could have kept going he was probably like the best quarterback in the league the year he retired almost came back in that um divisional game and you know yeah sad to see i mean like i'm you know kind of sick i'm like most people probably a bit sick of tom brady but like sad to see him go perfect segue now to the uh andrew segment of the uh of the podcast. We're going to do a Tom Brady quiz, guys. Are you excited? Oh, yeah, really excited. I've only got a drawback on, like, 20 years of career. Can't All wait. All right, we'll see how these go. Um, so this is going to be a yes or no, uh, but we'll call it a Brady or a Nady. Yeah. Uh, ready? So has Tom Brady won more Super Bowls than all 32 NFL franchises? Like more than any other, like more than any other, as in like the number he's won. Because if so, definitely. Yeah, uh, that's he's a got Brady. seven. Because he got, I think Pittsburgh has six, and now he's got seven by himself. That's a Brady. These are both locking in Brady. Yep. Yes. 
Okay, yeah, you were right there. Good job. Uh, the next one. Does Tom Brady have more than double the playoff wins than any other QB? That's a Brady. He's the man. Yeah, that's going to be a Brady too, isn't it? Yeah, so Brady has 35 playoff wins and Joe Montana has 16. I thought that was wild. That's insane. Uh, That's actually wild. Imagine not thinking he's the best player ever. Continue your segment, but (laughs) there's idiots out there. All right, next one. Was Tom Brady drafted before Zach Wilson was born? Yes, that's a, that's a Brady. Think, but they had a matchup, and I think this was discussed. So he's a going it's gonna, Brady. It's gonna, it's gonna be a Brady for the purpose of the show, but I think it's actually a Nady. Yeah, Joel, you you're up. You're beating Frank. That's a Nady. It was like two months apart. I just oh yeah, you're sharp. I just throw in a Nady somewhere. Can I just all be Brady stats? Yeah, yeah. think about it, Frank. <laughs> all right. Tom Brady playoff wins as a buck is more than the Cowboys playoff wins since their 1996 Super Bowl win. Brady on 80. Yeah, well, he's got more than zero, got, so that's a, he's got that's five. a Brady. Yeah, that's a Brady. Yeah, the Cowboys only have three playoff wins. How insane is that? <laughs> All right. So now we'll move into some multi-choice. I just wanted to show it the Cowboys, really. Um, all right. Tom Brady has won 243 games as an NFL quarterback. Detroit have won how many in the last 40 years? 241, 245, or 248? Uh, is it- I'm going to go 248 because I feel like if it was more than Detroit, you would have heard about it. Yeah, good point. I actually agree with that, Joel. So, yeah, I'm going to go with 248 as well. Not to steal your thinking, but... I like your thinking. There's actually 241. Tom Brady has won more games than Detroit in the last 40 years. Oh, that's pathetic. I swear that wasn't documented as much as it should have been. It should have been more. I literally Googled Tom Brady's stats. It'll blow your mind. So, ready? The next one. Which is the most likely to happen? I want you to rank these, okay? So, Tom Brady making the Super Bowl. Russell Westbrook making a field goal. So Westbrook's field goal percentage in his NBA career. Or hitting black on a roulette table. Or is it Brady making the playoffs or Brady winning the Super Bowl? Making the Super Bowl. So he doesn't have to win. Making the Super Bowl. Well, how many has he made? He made... No, he's... I'm pretty sure... I'm going to take... Oh, hang on. No, it's not all. I'm going to go... For the highest one, hang on, this matters. Is it like a roulette board with two green or is it with one green? <laughs> Just a regulation roulette table with two greens. With two greens. Oh, so it's just under 50%. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, I'm going to go roulette, Brady, Westbrook. Frank, are you locking that in too? Yeah. What, didn't you say Russell Westbrook's field goal percentage is what? 50 no, just in his career, like, what do you think his oh. field goal percentage is? Oh, jeez. It'd, it'd be Yeah, it'd have to be, like, under 50%. It'd be, like, what, 45 and then... He'd likely to be 40. Yeah, I reckon I'm going to go with roulette table, Brady Westbrook. Yeah, you're both right. So, 
Black on roulette is 47% chance. Brady making the Super Bowl is 45 And Westbrook's field goal percentage is 43%. Oh, so, God, we're awesome. That leads really right like- into Joel's uh, hatred for Russell Westbrook too. No wonder he got it right. Yeah, he sucks. Ruined Kevin Durant. <laughs> that he's more likely to make a Super Bowl than Westbrook to make a layup in the NBA. Yeah, that's insane. All right. The last one, guys. Brady's worst season has been eight and eight, eight, one and seven, nine and seven. Oh, I'm gonna go with eight, one and seven. Still <laughs> yeah, a winning I'm record. Gonna, I'm gonna go eight and eight. So you both whiffed on that one. It was nine and seven. Oh, he's um, just too good. Uh, Tom Brady actually did not have a tie in his entire career. Pretty insane. Yeah, if man's a winner, doesn't play for a tie. All right, yeah, guys, that was true. the Tom Brady segment. Hopefully that uh, blew your mind. And, um, yeah, have a good life, Tom Brady. Yeah, he's going to be living it up in uh, retirement, that's for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him uh, joining a commentary team or doing something in the media because he actually is, like, incredibly charismatic, especially later in his career. Uh, we saw him be less of that cold-blooded killer and more of just, like, obviously killer on the field, but he showed a bit more personality in Tampa Bay. I think the uh, Florida weather relaxed him quite a bit more. Um, what we will do now is we're going to get straight into our – what we might do is we'll go around the uh, table and go our Super Bowl pick, so who's going to win? I'm going to then go for our bets that each of us have. I'm going to kick us off. Um, I think it became clear earlier in the episode. I'm all in on the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're going to come away uh, with the with the uh, win uh, in the Super Bowl. They're going to do it for the uh, city of Cincinnati, the state of Ohio. I think uh, everyone's going to be tuning in there, of course. Um, I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. So my first best bet is going to be over 48.5 points for this game. I think... Uh, both offensive weapons are going to be able to score. I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to run the ball too much. I think they're going to be playing, maybe playing a bit of catch up like they have in the last two playoff games. I could see something very similar happen where they came back from behind against the uh, Kansas city chiefs. Um, I think they're not going to be able to stop the passing weapons that Joe Burrow has at his disposal. So over 48 and a half points. And then this is my sort of outside uh, prop bet one that I, Again, you may not have access to all of these prop bets, just depending on where you are betting. But on Sportsbet, they do have $8 for a touchdown in the first three minutes of the game. So this one here comes uh, with the thought that the defense is going to be incredibly nervous. So you can imagine, imagine if you are Eli Apple and you've talked trash every single day of the year about how good you are when really you're not that good. You talk trash to the teams that you've beaten, talk trash to your old team, and then you get to the Super Bowl. And then there is the killer, Cooper Cup, standing across from you. He's scoring a touchdown inside the first three minutes. There's no doubt that either Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase are going to score a touchdown inside the first three minutes of the game. Defense is going to be scared, going to be nervous on the big stage. Uh, I have complete faith in Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow to make this game incredibly high scoring, incredibly fun. I can't wait for the game. Yeah, I'm of the opposite. Like complete opposite. I am Rams will cover the spread of uh, whether it's, you know, whether you can get it at four or four and a half. Um, And like, I'm not big into, you know, bet the unders or bet the overs, but I 48 and a half courtesy of sports bet. Um, 
And like I would take the under. I think the biggest mismatch in this game is Rams, D-line, Bengals, O-line. And it's massive. We're just like, we're two weeks removed from Burrow getting sacked nine times to the Titans. And, um, you know, I Aaron Donald, Floyd, Von Miller, like, uh, you know, it's scary to think what they're going to do. I think this game will be low scoring. I think the Bengals will struggle to move the ball. And I just think, I don't think they're going to be able to run it. And I think this pass rush is going to get after Joe Burrow. I think it'll lead to mistakes. I think it, I just think the Rams are a better team than the Bengals. That's my view on the game. I'm happy Rams 24, Bengals 13, under hits, Rams cover. That's, you know, my view on the game. Yeah, well, since enough. we're doing score predictions, I might as well uh, jump in with my score prediction. I think it's going to be Cincinnati Bengals 33 to 30. Could even end in an Evan McPherson field goal again. Go ahead, Andrew. No, good. Um, I think it's going to be a close one. I'm, I would take Bengals with the points. So I think it's probably Rams by field goal. So I'll just say, uh, I don't know, 27, 24 Rams. Um, don't know if that hits the over or not, but. You bet it does, Andrew. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think I think it'll be close. Um, so my my take on the game is Rams probably outclass the Bengals, but I think they'll keep it close. So take the points. Um, and my my serious bet would be um, Steve Higgins overs. I've seen seventy point five, six nine and a half. Um, I think Ramsey plays on Chase. They really, and then they'll get down and then abandon the run, and you know, Barrel just. Big feed and T Higgins. So I think follow me listeners, uh T Higgins, big T Higgins guys. Um he'll get he'll get over those yards. For the fun bets, if you want to have a bit of fun, uh Tails, coin toss, never loses. Tails um, never fails. Yeah, so that that's my Super Bowl take, Super Bowl bets. Uh you guys take it away. Uh I think everyone's favorite Super Bowl bet is first touchdown courtesy of uh, sports bet again, like <laughs> Cooper cup is the favorite and rightfully so, but whether you want to take, you know, $6, $6.50 is, you know, another problem. Um, I don't mind Odell at almost double the price. You know, you can get $10 for Odell. Um, you know, I can see him getting a target, Big game, never played in one, big player. Um, think you want to show up. I think at $10, Odell would be my lean for first touchdown scorer, but I'm not going to turn you away from Cooper Cup because that man can just do everything. Frank, first touchdown picks? Oh, my first touchdown pick. That's a tough one. Um, I don't think I can go no, past my boy Cam Akers. I think you're going to get a little bit more value than you are for Cooper Cup. I think it could be the Rams. I think we're all in agreement that the Rams are going to be playing with a lead here. I think that's something we're all agreeing upon, um, which is going to be interesting to see. Uh, they'll, uh, I think the Bengals will get away from the run. So I'm not sure what Joe Mixon's line for rushing is, but I think that might be a, a sneaky bet. But, uh, yeah, my first uh, touchdown score is going to be Cam Akers. I think they're going to be uh, able to run the ball in the uh, you know, first couple of drives. Um, I'm going to run it back with Sony Michelle. Shout out Mitch Ryan. Um, yeah, I'm just, just going to do that because he did it in Super Bowl with the Rams, Pats, 
he went heaps of money. It was the worst time. Um, yeah, but listeners, if you want to have fun with your with your crowd that you've got, you know, do some uh, first song of halftime show, you know, do some first play of the game. Will the kickoff return be a touchback or they run it out? Um, do the national anthem over unders. Get real creative with it. I feel like we've missed an important one here, guys. Super Bowl MVP. Oh yeah, no, probably probably should. Um, it's a quarterback award, so you know whoever you think is going to win probably do that. But if you want a left field option, Cooper Cup because Stafford's nothing without him. It could be like Brady when Edelman won it that that year. Um, so yeah, I think Cooper Cup's the value, but it's a quarterback award. Where are you two leaning with that one? Yeah, it's definitely a quarterback award. So, like, in what world does Cooper Cup have, like, 200 yards and two touchdowns? Probably deserves the MVP award, but then Matthew Stafford hadn't thrown for 303. So, like, I don't think he can win there. It's unless, like, if, like, he has 202 and Matthew Stafford throws for 250 and two and, like, all of his production went to Cooper Cup. That's, like, the only way it happens, despite him probably deserving it. Edelman won it, like, two years ago. Yeah, but he you had know, like 200 um, passing yards, didn't he? Or something like that. Tom Brady didn't have many. Von Miller won it. Um, the guy from Seattle, when they shit kicked the Broncos, he won it. I don't know. I don't think it's as um, clear and cut as a quarterback award. I think we can find some value down the board, people. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. Although I think someone from the money, uh, the Bucks, like, as someone who bet on JPP last year, like, you know, one of those Bucks defenders that Kansas City didn't even score a touchdown and Tom Brady still won. So I get, you know, you can lose there. But, you know, you got to write, you got to predict the game script here and you got to, you know, punt accordingly to what you think is going to happen. And with the prediction of, you know, 24 13, um, I'm going to go defense Rams. Um, and rather than, you know, Aaron Donald, $15, that's pretty skinny. Von Miller, 40s, yeah, you're getting there. But, um, you know, why not Jalen Ramsey? Jalen Ramsey could have a pick six, you know, 80 to one. Um, Leonard Floyd, 150 to one. Um, you know, I'd rather sprinkle those ones than back a quarterback. Yeah, that's if fair, Ramsey but I just think... A... Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. No, but if he has a pick six... But then Stafford still has two touchdowns and 300. Like, who wins? Exactly. What if Jamar Chase, like, Chase has, like, nothing? Like, you know, two catches, Jamar Chase. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, it's it's worth a little sprinkle, but I'm just saying. Even if you like the Bengals, I don't know. Would you rather back Joe Burrow or does Jamar Chase have a massive game? I don't know. I don't know. Joe Burrow Joe is where the money's going to be. Just yeah, every man like... in their dog is going to go for Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, I get it. We're just, you know, hoping for, you know, something a bit left field. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. I'll, I'll have a little sneaky dime on uh, Jalen Ramsey, Super Bowl. Join us, Frank. Uh, I will pass. Uh, there is one last bet that I think we're all missing. That's the most important. Uh, I think it has the biggest impact on the day. Um, I can't believe we've missed this. It's the colour of the Gatorade that gets pulled on the winning coach's head. Um, have you heard any inside sources of what colour it's going to be, Joel, or are you just going to hit and hope and, you know, maybe just go like a 
a random number generator and figure out which color you're going. No, no, no. You, you, you can research this. Um, you know, you can see what color Gatorade the, um, the teams drink and then you can punt accordingly to, um, you know, obviously who you think is going to win the game. Um, looking through sports bet now, I'm trying to find the um, – gee, they really have everything here, don't they? Um, well, boys, um, Faith expert tips. Uh, she's got a real feeling for orange. So gamble responsibly, but we're going with orange this year. I'm not going to lie. I had a good feeling about orange too. So we'll wait and see uh, what it's going to be. It's going to be – It's honestly, it could be like the best, most fun bet of the entire uh, year for the NFL. I'll go that far. It doesn't actually get enough um... – coverage in my mind like they sort of skip away from it like i remember when uh we were at the super bowl thing mitch ryan won all the money they didn't even have um they didn't even show the color like we had burjo having to like google it and see what it was and then we had the problem of is that blue or is that clear it um you know just doesn't doesn't get enough uh attention for my for my liking but um, I can't find a market on the Gatorade shower yet, so I don't even know where to uh, steer the listeners for value or whatever. But, um, yeah, interesting to see when that comes out. Uh, blue would be my lean, but, um, you know, no real opinion. What about, like, overs on sacks or overs on interceptions or something like that because of the oh. pressure that they're going to bring? I hate betting I on defense. That's gross. Defense wins the Super Bowl, though, a lot of the years, like um, the Seattle, Denver, um, even to an extent, like I think, did the did the Rams even score a touchdown when the Pats beat them? Like that was a very low scoring game. It was like the first touchdown happened at like the end of the third quarter. Really got your like money's worth there. Um, I feel like it was like 16-3 or something gross. Like, it was yeah, so it was bad. real. It was low, like the low scoring as a rule, like, you know, they're pretty low scoring games from memory. Even last year, like the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm... I don't I don't mind betting defense in Super Bowl. One game, these both none of these quarterbacks have been there before. I don't know. Mm, um, I just like to bet as a spectator. And I want to see lots of touchdowns. I want to see high scoring. Yeah, but greatest you show and every tale. other person, like the, the the value is on the unders. I don't know. The I unders. just like baiting the public in the betting market. That's all. I think that's where you can find some value where no one else wants to, you know, no one wants to bet the unders. No one wants to watch defense. But, um, you know, I can get around it. First offensive play of the game. Rush attempt. I don't mind that. Depends who has the ball. If it's the Bengals, they're running it because Zach Taylor's so two-dimensional. I don't think, Sean, uh, I think McVay can run it too. Hand off to Akers. and around no, to Cooper Cup. Something like that. I can say it. I, I can say it. I can see play action Cooper Cup getting involved early. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's not, not something that I'd, you know, I'm like itching to bet. But, um, but yeah, you is, know, is I mean, you can get real funky in all these markets. Like, I enjoy the day. Don't, like, you know, you can't go expecting to win money, but, like, you know, have fun with it. Gamble responsibly, obviously, but, you know, you can get some winners out there. Yeah, get amongst it, listeners. It's uh, 
it's way sports is better when you gamble on it. I feel like couldn't agree more. It's like ice cream, smother it with chocolates and sprinkles. <laughs> That's an awesome way to put it. Uh, that is a really nice way to finish that segment, Joel. I do appreciate that. What we actually might get stuck into as our last segment for the episode is our, our biggest playoff rises and our biggest playoff fallers. So we might want to bring this episode. We have been talking about a lot about football in general. I think it's important to bring everything back into a fantasy perspective because we are a fantasy podcast. Um, just based on the playoff games that have happened, each of us are going to uh, bring a playoff riser and a playoff faller. Uh, just me and Andrew for this one. Joel is uh, too busy studying the tips for the Super Bowl. I've, actually got, I've got a faller. Can I go first in case mine gets stolen? Oh, gee, you're probably going to go steal mine. Go right ahead, mate. Is it Clyde? No, it's not. Go right ahead. Well, I'll have Clyde. It has to be the biggest faller of these fantasy playoffs. Like, the he's getting – so he's not catching passes. He's not even the 1A in this committee, which now is a committee. Um, I think – forget the first round draft capital if they're not willing to use Clyde in that game the AFC championship game as their you know 1A pass like Jarek McKinnon is getting all the work there I picked up Jarek McKinnon when did I pick up Jarek McKinnon in this league 12 days ago and um you know everyone sort of you know heap a laugh reaction to sleeper chat but um you know Clyde hasn't done anything to earn any work like besides being drafted in the first round what has Clyde done to not be classified as a faller in the fantasy especially in the fantasy playoffs games mean the most he's not getting used they're using everyone else they can except Clyde um yeah has to be the biggest faller for mine just yeah, off the top of my head he's done I didn't nothing read he doesn't yeah, even catch balls anymore. Like that was what he could catch balls in college. Like he was catching balls and they haven't used him that way. Um, he's not getting all the carries. Like you said, it's a genuine committee right now. He's got to be a faller. Yeah. Jets anyway. McKinnon, 99 percentile athlete. Um, so free athlete, basically yeah. Derek Henry. Yeah. Pick up, know. pick up Jets McKinnon and uh, ride him to his title. That's the plan. <laughs> Frank, do you want me to jump in with my uh, falling sell high guy? Yeah, yeah, go right ahead, Andrew. Might as well finish on a high with my two. Yeah, righto. Um, so my falling is uh, Devin Singletary, and you might say that he's been electric in the playoffs and the end of the season. But, you know, he's played three years at Buffalo, and, you know, his production has been RB30, RB46, and RB26 over the past three years. So that's what he gets. You know, if you look up, you know, just a guy in the dictionary, you know, you'll see a photo of Devin Singletary. Like, he does nothing exciting. Um, you know, he doesn't catch passes. He isn't the bell cow. You know, they give Zach Moss carries. They give, was it Matt Breeder carries? Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, and, you know, the Bills are definitely looking to upgrade their running back room. You know, everyone's talking about the dream landing spot in Buffalo. And, um, yeah, I think sell now before he gets replaced. Um, he really only dominated the last bit of the season because of the touchdowns. And, um, you know, he's not he's not a prolific touchdown scorer. So if you can sell Devin Singletary for a second-round pick, I'm doing it. You can sell him for someone like Rashad Penny, uh, your boy Steve-O, Frank, uh, Tony Pollard. You know, if you want to 
uh, take a, a punt on like the young receivers, like you know Kadarius Tony, Darnell Mooney. I'm selling him for them. Um, yeah, Devin Singletary is my all uh, sell high player. Yeah, I completely I agree you... with that. I think uh, De- Devin Singletary. I think, like you said, just a guy. A bit harsh to say. You look up just a guy in the dictionary and you find Devin Singletary, but I think it's a really good way to put it. He is just a guy. Um, they give him a few carries. He gets a couple catches here or there. Doesn't do too much in the passing game. Um, just a really uh, just a pretty run of the mill running back. I think he'll be a good complement just as like a backup piece. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the the Bills either draft a running back relatively high in the draft or they end up signing one of the free agents, whether it be, you know, Melvin Gordon, um, someone like that. Yeah, as someone with like, you know, high draft capital, 103, 104, I hope the Bills do take a running back um, and, yeah, make that pick more valuable than what it's, you know, what it is looking like now because unless like I don't know one of the quarterbacks goes top 10 or um, yeah those picks sort of look questionable at the moment but um, you know especially in regards to running back and quarterback and that's where the value like that's they're the valuable positions in rookie drafts and um, yeah if the Bills or the Dolphins or one of those teams you know use the second round pick or you know, on a running back um, yeah no that's where the value will be and um, you know, Devin Singletree will obviously take the biggest hit from that. Uh, who's the riser, Andrew? Um, all right, so my rising player by low player could be a bit uh, contradictory right now, but it's Mike Evans, um, Tampa Bay Buck wide receiver. Um, you know, everyone's scared about Brady leaving. But, guys, Mike Evans is an automatic 1,000 yards, 8, 10, 12 touchdown guy. Look at his career stats. It's insane. You just book him in for a 1,000, book him in for eight touchdowns, plays every game, and, you know, he finishes as wide receiver eight, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 12, wide receiver nine in the past four years. Talk about consistency. Um, You know, and people are scared that he's not going to be able to do this without Tom Brady, but listen to the names he's done before this. Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mike Lennon, Josh McCann. Didn't stop him. Won't stop him now. Don't sell Mike Evans for less than a first-round pick. Someone in your league, you know, offers you Ramondre Stevenson in the second. Tell him to do one, like Frank Sigalese has done to me. You know, don't disrespect Mike Evans like that, Frank. Hold true. Chris Godwin leaves. It doesn't matter. He's an alpha. Mike Evans to the moon. Let's go. So I'm going to take this as your way of saying no to my offer, Ramondre Stevenson, in a second-round pick. I didn't think it was too bad. Yeah, no chance. No, don't insult me like that. Frank, all your seconds are low too. Like, you know, no one wants them. No, no, no. The uh, 23 second, it could have been anyone. Of, I've got three of those, so it could have been someone that's going to be higher. Like, I got, yeah. uh, I got Wheels' 23 second. He sucks. That's going to be high ass. How'd you get that pick? That's a good one to have. I got all Wheels this year and I'm laughing. I know you have a wheels next year. It'll be even worse. Uh, it's a sec. It's a second. It's not his first. <laughs> Do you yeah, agree it's... about Mike Evans, though? Like, you think he's fine? Oh, I think he's fine. That's why I offered the trade for him. I thought that was pretty clear. I think, like you said, you just lock him in for a thousand and like at least six touchdowns. Even if the if the offense takes a you know a step backwards, it could be six touchdowns instead of like your baseline of eight. I don't think you got anything to worry about, especially if Chris Godwin isn't a hundred percent or he's not back with the team. 
Like this injury does throw a spanner in the works. He might just move elsewhere if a team offers him a large contract. I mean, especially coming off an injury, why would Chris Godwin stay in town? If there's no Tom Brady there, you might go and find a, a you know, a team that's got a better quarterback. Um, does that make, yeah, I think that can definitely happen. And then Mike Evans is all by himself. I don't know. Oh, no, you go, go. You, you, I'm still like team dependent on Mike Evans. Like I'm not going to go out there and buy Mike Evans. And like, but if you're a contending team and you're trying to win a title, you know, this upcoming season, I think Mike Evans, great by low target, still like does score in bunches, like a lot. Like, you know, he's a real good multi-touchdown game. Like, I don't know, he's had games this year, like the first um, seven weeks uh, looking at that. He's had zero touchdowns, two touchdowns, zero touchdowns, zero touchdowns, two touchdowns zero touchdowns, then three touchdowns. Like, seems to score, like, points in bunches, which, you know, if your team needs that, you know, it score a lot of points factor. I think that's where Mike Evans is, you know, can really push a team over the edge. But I don't want to be, like, relying on Mike Evans to win my games week on week because, you know, he's going to hit 50% of the time and he's going to miss 50% of the time. But when he hits, it's going to be big and those end-of-year numbers are going to look good. But it's not always, you know, it's not always consistent. But I suppose what receiver isn't that. But, um, yeah, I think Mike Evans will be fine. As you said, he's been doing it before this. He's been doing it after it. I think he, like, burnt Jalen Ramsey on, like, the very last play of that game before Cooper Cup came out and buried him. But, you know, nothing wrong with Mike Evans regardless of quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that, Joel. He's not always super consistent, but we do play in a league with such a large starting lineup that you can almost, those hit and miss guys, um, the consistency doesn't hurt you as much just because you have players that will pick up the slack some week and it all sort of figures itself out, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, it does, especially with these big rosters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So what I'll get stuck into now to finish this off is my biggest playoff faller. And it's going to be Julio Jones, the Tennessee Titans. Although he didn't have a terrible game against the Cincinnati Bengals, where they were eventually beaten, I think this just uh, cemented things. He didn't play all the snaps. I think he played about 70% of the snaps, which is not a terrible rate. But they do run a lot of two wide receiver sets. And yet Julio Jones still didn't play nearly all the snaps as well. Um, He just looks a step slow. He looks like he's lost. He's getting quite up there in age. He's now 33 years old. And I just wanted to pull up Julio Jones' stats from this season. He finished as the wide receiver 93. Did we all hear that correctly? 93. That's almost 100. Uh, He finished with, count him, one touchdown in 10 games. He also finished as the wide receiver 51 the year before. And in the past two years, he's played nine games and 10 games. And he's 33 years old. For the people that thought he was going to be something next to AJ Brown this year, um, first of all, that wasn't me. What were you thinking? Um, Ryan Tannehill. Shout out, Wheels. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill's not the kind of quarterback that's going to support a 33-year-old wide receiver that plays nine games that clearly looked like he was past it. I don't want to disrespect Julio Jones. He's been incredible for fantasy. He's been incredible in the NFL. But uh, I think this is it. Um, He probably finds a landing spot next year, but I doubt teams are going to want him to be running around as their wide receiver too. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah. Yeah. Julio's dust. He doesn't have hamstrings anymore. Uh, he's too old. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he retires soon. Um. Yeah. Great. Great call. How about this trade made on the 10th of November between Wheels and Burjo? When at the time we all thought, geez, he's robbed him. And he still might actually win the deal. Burjo traded for Julio and Damian Harris and got rid of Kenny Gainwell and Matt Barber's 2022 third, which has ended up being, what's that, 17th overall. Yeah, even with Julio Jones sucking so bad, Damian Harris is still worth more than Kenny Gainwell on a third, in my opinion. Yeah. And yeah, even, I don't even wins. like Damian Harris. Yeah, yeah because everyone else is just irrelevant besides Damian Harris, kind of. Yeah, what a gross, mm. gross trade. Didn't it? I, just, I was just looking up the Julio stats, and, you know, you're right. Ever since that stretch of, you know, Second overall, sixth overall, seventh overall, fourth overall, third overall receivers, last two, 51 and 93. Like, you don't, you know, it's just, you know, that arrow's pointing down on Julio anyway, and he already doesn't score touchdowns. So where are you really getting your points from if you're not getting like a 1,300, 1,400-yard season with, you know, 80, 90, 100 catches? Yeah, he's not going to be like Adam Thielen, who's like 30 now, that catches like religiously catches like nine touchdowns. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get points that way. So I think unless you're getting the supreme volume and yardage, he's just going to be a liability on your fantasy team. Disrespecting with the nine, you can book Adam Thielen for double-digit touchdowns. Well, exactly. I agree. That's my point. Mm. Yeah, you know, wouldn't be... I mean, I don't know who was buying Julio anyway, but he's basically just dust now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And lastly, we'll get stuck into my biggest playoff riser. And this should come as no surprise for those that, uh, A, listen into this podcast, and B, listen to me talk about football and fantasy football at all. It's my boy. It's Cam Akers, the Los Angeles Rams running back. He's back. Uh, Not only is he back, but... He recovered from an Achilles tear in, count them, six months. He's now back getting all of the work. He's playing pretty much all of the snaps. And that's with Sony Michelle, who carried the load for the Los Angeles Rams uh, in the back half of the season. He was looked really good. And he looked like he was going to be an important part of their playoff push um, with him splitting time with Cam Akers. But instead, they've given Cam Akers all the work. They've given him the keys to the offense. He is just 22 years old. And he just looks like he's going to be their bell cow going forward. He catches the ball. Uh, he runs well. He hasn't looked 100% back to his self that he was in his rookie season, the back half of that year. But, A, I think this offseason is going to give him plenty of time to recoup and rehab that Achilles. So he is back 100, like 110%. And it also gives him a chance to get more accustomed with Matthew Stafford. He's only played a few games with Matthew Stafford now. I think that connection where Matt Staff has been uh, hasn't been scared to throw the ball to the running back, and with Sean McVay, that coaching change there's not going to be going to be no coaching change there. He's shown supreme faith in Cam Akers. I think going forward, he's just going to be the bell cow for the next three years, or um, if his health stays um, all good. So, would you agree with that, guys? Do you think Cam Akers is he's flying up my board? I I remember you guys laughed at me. I think it was about three weeks ago. You guys laughed at me when I said Cam Akers was a top 15 running back in Dynasty. He absolutely is now. 
the, the, the thing yeah. is, like, he's getting like nothing you said is wrong. Like, he is getting all the work six months removed from an Achilles, even like with Sony and Darnell Anderson playing good. He just looked so bad though, and the two fumbles. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that's probably like an irrelevant because you know volume is more predictable than that. And if he's getting that type of volume straight away, like it probably that speaks higher, highly higher than, you know, his actual performance on the field. So, you know, it's hard to argue with despite him, you know, losing fumbles in key situations and, you know, running it barely three a clip. The, f- the first fumble will let him off on the first one. The second one, not good. The first fumble was bad too before the half on the goal line. Yeah, but it, like it just came out when he was diving. Like it kind of—I don't know—it wasn't his fault. It's a bit unlucky. The second one though, got to hold on. Got to hold on to the pill. On the goal line, cost him three points before the half. They almost lost. Yeah. Anyway, I agree, like, I, I agree yeah, with man. everything you said. Like even though he looks bad and like the there's the work he's getting speaks higher, higher. So I can't say that, can I? Speaks more volume than the actual performance on the field. Yeah, and the Rams uh, running back is a real desirable spot because, you know, Endo was great. Um, I think Sony will probably leave. And, Todd yeah, Gurley. Remember him? Oh, yeah, Todd Gurley, the man. But, um, yeah, to be air makers his role and he'll be, yeah, Frank will be laughing, I guess, all, all next year. Yeah, laughing all the way to the bank. Um, no, nah, I can't wait for Cam Akers to dominate next season for my team. It's going to be a what really good season. Akers, Frank? What would I give up? Oh, no, what did you give up? Oh, I gave up Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. Oh, best trade ever made. Uh, yeah, you suck, Charlie. Nobody likes that you. That was madness. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to beat you down next season because your team doesn't look too bad. I'll probably see you in the playoffs, mate. Um, on that note, though, we are going to have to finish up the show. Um, I want to thank you, to, uh, thank the listeners for tuning in. I want to thank Andrew and Joel for joining me. I uh, appreciate it, guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And the Super Bowl. Go Rams. Go Bengals. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram at NFL Fantasy Addict. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure you don't miss a second of the action.